The legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Hey, people, how's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of A. Guna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football family. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition of the show, we've got plenty to tuck into. We're going to be talking following Balogun's future after some reports have been doing the rounds with regards to what his preference would be going into the summer. We're going to talk William Saliba, the latest on the Frenchman's fitness. How close exactly is he to returning to action? We'll talk Eddie and Ketia, who's been seen back in training, and we'll discuss Arsenal's rumoured interest in the Bayern Munich midfielder Ryan Gravenberg. Lots and lots to get into. As I say, big hello to everybody in the live chat. Make sure you leave a like on the video if you're watching us on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe to the channel if you're brand new and if you're listening on any of the podcast doors, then please do leave us a review. That really, really does help. This podcast is sponsored by the good people over at NordVPN, and we'll tell you a little bit more about how you can save some money and get access to their wonderful service using your discount uh, via the Chronicles of Aguna. You'll be supporting not just the podcast, but also, uh, of course, at NordVPN as well. And um, you'll be supporting your pocket as well because you'll save a fair chunk of dough. Uh, We'll get into all of that and more. We'll also take your questions a little bit later on on this edition of the Chronicles of Aguna podcast. And we are live. Hey, people, how's it going? Welcome back along to the show. Hope you're good. Hope you are well. Uh, How's it going? Let me know in the chat. Uh, Good to see so many of you with us nice and early on. Uh, As I say, plenty for us to dive into today. I want to have the following Balogun discussion. Uh, That is because uh, there's lots and lots of talk uh, about following Balogun's future. Where is he going to end up? Is he going to come back to Arsenal and play a part at the football club? Or is he going to move on? Is there a chance uh, that Arsenal lose him and Arsenal have to say goodbye uh, to him uh, come this summer? We'll get into all of that. Now, listen, Arsenal don't have to say goodbye because he's under contract for a little while. But, um, you know, there is um, there is a lot to get into. And I think the player has to think about his own career and uh, consider all of his options as well. Uh, let's say a few hellos then to some of you joining us in the live chat. Uh, a big hello to Wandering Minstrel. Great to see you today, man. Hope you're uh, all good. Uh, well, I know you're good. I saw you a little bit earlier on. So uh, good to see you and uh, welcome along. Uh, to the channel. Thank you, as always, uh, for the wonderful support. Uh, big hello to Sko. Uh, we've got Yantora Fjeldstad in the chat. We've got Adair in there. We've got Henry, Richie, Pete. Um, we've got Afsar. We've got Damien. Um, we've got Alex Hasib. So many of you with us uh, live right now, which is great to see. Um, lots of you chucking in questions at the moment. Um, that's great. That's fine. Um, but... Let's um, let's do uh, those a little bit later on. Uh, obviously, I welcome the questions, but just so we can stay on track with the podcast, let's um, let's make sure uh, that we hold those 
and then we can throw them all in at once at the end and we can make sure that we get through as many of those as possible. But there's only one place to start today and that is with the future of following Balogun. Now, um, I mentioned his contract. His contract obviously uh, runs, uh, according to Transfermarkt, up until the 30th of June uh, this year. Um, I've read some conflicting reports on that. Let me just bring up what I was reading earlier on, actually, because this has thrown me off a bit. Uh, hold on a second. Because earlier on, I read something about following Balogun's contract, about the possibility of it just being that little bit longer than it actually uh, is stated on the Transfer Marked website. So I just want to have a quick look at that and make sure uh, that we are uh, looking at the right information here. I don't want to tell you guys something that isn't right, obviously. So bear with me just a second. Where is it? Here we go. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo. Where is it? I saw a piece earlier from Art de Rocher on The Athletic. Can't seem to find it now. Hold on a second. Uh, here we go. Balogun wants to be a first-choice striker. What did he say? Um, yeah, so Art de Rocher in his piece for The Athletic said, Balogun is reluctant to open talks on extending his contract, which expires in 2025. But then when you look at transfer marked, which I've just done, it says 2023. So I'm not 100% sure which one of those is correct. So uh, we'll try and find that out. But yeah, um, I read the 2025 bit earlier on today. And that kind of prompted my intro to the show where I said, well, you know, there's a little bit to run on his contract. And then I've looked at transfer marked and it's completely different. Um, no, it's not. That's his contract expiration date. They must be taken into consideration, right? The contract at REM. Yep, that's right. That's where I've got confused. Okay, so following Balogun's contract at REM, uh, obviously in France, that expires on June 30th of this year. His contract, when you dive into it a little bit deeper, at Arsenal expires in 2025. So Art de Rocher, absolutely right. That's why he's a pro and that's why I'm not. Um, so, right, the Balogun situation is this then. So 18 league goals. One in the French Cup so far uh, this season uh, for the French side. And I guess you could say that given how well he's played and how well he's performed, he deserves to be in charge of his own destiny. Okay, He deserves uh, to be able to look at his options, assess his options and decide what is right for him because he's earned that. He's gone out on loan, as a lot of players do around his age, and he's made a real impression. Lots of players go out on loan, not always though, do they make the right impression? And not always do they go out and, you know, not always do they go out and have as much of an impact as following Balogun has. He's gone into one of Europe's top five leagues. He's performed week in, week out. As I say, 18 league goals, one in the French Cup. For me, that is a really, really impressive return. And he's not playing at one of the giants of France. You know, he's not playing at Marseille or at Paris Saint-Germain or Lyon or... And I know, you know, Rem are a, a decent enough side, but it's not a, a glamour club. He's gone there and he's performed and he's done brilliantly. And he's brought that club, I think, into the, the eyes of a lot of other people. They're eighth in the league at the moment, but they're behind Lyon. They're behind Lille, Rennes, Monaco, Marseille, Lens and PSG, all in the title, all in the sort of table. So they're not the greatest club over there. They're not the biggest club over there. So to be playing for a side that hovering just above mid-table and to be the second top goal scorer 
in the French League at present is pretty damn impressive. But according to The Athletic, he is reluctant to open talks over an extension to that deal that he currently has at Arsenal, which runs until, to be clear, 2025. Why? Because he wants to be a first-choice striker somewhere. He wants to continue playing week in, week out. He's clearly benefited from it. He's got into the habit of scoring goals. He's doing it brilliantly uh, at the moment. And I always say to you guys that when it comes to strikers, scoring goals is a bit of a habit. Scoring goals is something that you get into the routine of doing. Um, and, you know, Balogun has found that. He's found that rhythm that comes with playing every single week. And why would he want to take a step backwards now? He won't want to do that. He won't want to come back to Arsenal and be third in line when it comes to the striker position. And we'll come on to the com competition that he faces in just a minute. There's also the issue of his international future. That is up in the air at the moment, and that must be difficult for him as well. Um, obviously, he's eligible to play for three countries, England, Nigeria, and the USA. Based on what I've read and what I've heard, I think he's probably going to pick the USA. I think that's where his head might be at. I think that's where he might be leaning towards. Um, but, you know, that's that's just my gut feeling. I don't know. He has options on the table. It's also understood that there are clubs who are queuing up to sign the player in the summer, who have looked at the player, who have been really, really impressed by the way he's performed this season and would be happy to take a bit of a punt on him in the summer. Those clubs, according to reports, include AC Milan, Inter, Marseille, Monaco and RB Leipzig. Now, Arsenal, as far as I'm concerned, in terms of my view here, are in a win-win situation. And I've said this to you guys before about following Balogun when we've just kind of discussed it in passing. You know, you've got a young striker who we sent out on loan who is really benefiting from that loan spell and is performing at a really high level in, as I say, one of Europe's top five leagues. So what does that do? It means he's got value. It means that he is a sellable asset should Arsenal and following Balogun decide that the guy's future is not at Emirates Stadium. I mentioned earlier, briefly, the competition that he faces. Gabriel Jesus is ahead of him in the pecking order. He cost Arsenal a lot of money and he's on a long-term contract. Eddie Nketiah recently signed a long-term contract. So following Balogun might well look at the Arsenal situation and say, I can't do that. You know, I can't go back to Arsenal and sit below these two guys in the pecking order and wait for my chance. And why can't he do that? Not because he's too old or because his career is going to pass him by. He's 21 years old, for God's sake. But because he's taken that step now, joined the club at which he can play regular football and he's found that rhythm and he's got a taste of it and he absolutely loves it and he wants more, more and more. And why wouldn't he? You know, why wouldn't a young, hungry player want to play week in, week out? So I can completely understand this from following Balogun's perspective. I can completely understand why in his head... It might not make perfect sense to come back to Arsenal and accept his place as a bit part player, as a squad member. There is an argument that following Balogun could come in and overtake Eddie Nketiah. I think Eddie Nketiah has been called upon this season and when he has, I think he's done a good job. But has he done an outstanding job? I don't think he has. 
So I'm not shitting on Eddie Nketiah or suggesting that he's been poor or that he should be booted out and replaced by following Balogun. I think it's way too early to say that. But what I am saying is that Eddie Nketiah's performances, as good as they've been and as much as they've helped us through a difficult period during which we were missing Gabriel Jesus, have not been so outstanding that I would completely dismiss following Balogun now. I think that he needs to be brought back to the club in the summer. I think that we need to take a good, good look at him in preseason, give him an opportunity in preseason. I think Mikel Arteta will then need to kind of see how he stacks up against somebody like Eddie Nketiah and then make a decision on which one of them is going to be second in the striker sort of listings, if you want to call them that. Um and, uh, and and how it's going to go and how it's going to work. The great thing is now is that if Mikel Arteta leans towards one or the other, the other one is a sellable asset. In Eddie Nketiah, we have a player on a long-term contract who we could move on for, I reckon, in today's market, around about £30 million. I think there would be Premier League clubs that would look at both Eddie Nketiah and following Balogun and think at their age, in their stage of their development, and given that they've shown themselves to be, you know, of a decent level. I think there'll be Premier League clubs that will be interested in both of those players. We've I've read you off a list of teams that are probably going to be interested or at least looking at following Balogun. And although I think they are intriguing options maybe for the player, I don't expect Milan, Inter, Marseille, Monaco or RB Leipzig, who I mentioned, to be able to put the same money down on the table as a Premier League club. And that that might make a difference. You know, that might make a difference as to where he goes. But look, the point I'm trying to make here is that for me, there is no need to rush and make a massive decision here. Okay, for me, I'd be looking at following Balogun. I'd be really impressed by what I've seen of him. I think his season's gone swimmingly well. Bring him back to the club and take a look at him. Assess him. You know, if you don't feel as the club's manager that his head is here, and you feel like he does have his heart set on a move elsewhere, then Arsenal win anyway because they can cash in and get a decent amount of money for him. If you do, if you think he can fight for a place, you try and persuade him to stay. You work out, figure out how you're going to give him the opportunities. You map it out. That comes from only when you're playing games and only comes when you're scoring goals. You bring him back. You let Arsenal assess him. You see where he is. You see where he's at. And then perhaps you have a decision to make, maybe over him, maybe over Eddie and Ketia. I don't know. As I say, pleased with what I've seen from Eddie and Ketia um, this season. I think he stepped up when we needed him, and I think for the most part, he did a really good job. But am I convinced that his ceiling is higher than following Balogun's? No, I'm not. And that's where Arsenal's coaching staff and, and those that carry out the assessments are going to earn their money in the summer when they're going to have to decide between those two who is the better option. Now, Eddie and Ketia ran his contract down at Arsenal, but then was happy to sign a new one, was happy to stay at the club, knowing full well that he wasn't going to be the first choice striker week in, week out. He knew he'd get opportunities. He knew he'd get a chance to compete, which he has. And he knew that at some point he'd be needed and he has been needed. But is following Balogun, having gone out on loan to France, a new league to him, where he's adapted incredibly quickly. He's been really, really impressive. Is he going to be of that same mindset? Is he going to come back and say, yeah, you know what? I'll do I'll do what Eddie did and I'll stick around for a bit and see how it goes. I'm young. I've got time. Or is he going to be chomping at the bit to go somewhere else? 
He's got two years left on his contract or will have two years left on his contract at the end of this season. And therefore, he has a sell-on value. So as I say, Arsenal win either way here. You either bring back a really promising, talented young striker or you sell him and you use the funds to continue your rebuild and to reinvest back into your squad. But my view is that this guy should be given an opportunity. We should have a look at him. We should assess him. We should bring him back and see how he fits in to the group. Now, I know it's going to be difficult to make concrete uh, sort of assessments on following Balogun during a preseason in terms of the matches that you play. We all know that they're friendlies and there isn't a lot riding on them. And then we know that players are building their way back up to fitness and we know they don't mean an awful lot. But Mikel Arteta will understand a lot more about following Balogun in his current form. You know, he's worked with him before, but obviously he'll understand a lot more about him now um, in his current sort of stage of his development as he's matured and he's grown up and he's gone and he's played his football elsewhere. He's going to work out whether he thinks he's a good fit or not, I think, based on what happens on the training ground more than anything else. So this is not a situation that needs resolving tomorrow. Um, but it's interesting that following Balogun, uh, people have obviously been making noises around the possibility of him leaving. I think what they're trying to do is spark a bit of a, um, you know, spark a bit of interest, try and gauge where certain clubs are at. I'm sure they'll get some approaches off the back of putting this out into the um, public domain. And um, and they'll then be able to make an informed decision based on whatever offers uh, and whatever conversations take place between now and the end of the season and, of course, over the course of the summer. So, yeah, let's see. Um, let's see. Let's see where that goes. But, yeah, interesting comments. Um, I say comments. Following Balligan hasn't said this in an interview, but when you get this type of story, it's often because the players' people have put it out. They've gone somewhere with it. They wanted to get this into the public domain. As I say, most likely because they want to spark that bit of interest and just open some of those conversations so that come the summer, they'll know exactly where they're at. And listen, Arsenal will have to convince the player that this is the place for him if they want him. Arsenal will have to um, will have to do that. They'll have to show him there's a pathway. And if they can do that, particularly from the position they're in now, which is a very, very strong one, um, then obviously it's easier to attract players and it's easier to keep players and it's easier to uh, get people to buy into the project. But, you know, it sounds to me and it feels like to me, just gut feel that following Balogun, maybe he's made his mind up already um, in terms of the fact that he doesn't believe he'll get the opportunities that he feels he deserves at Arsenal because of the competition that exists at the club. Now, if it was a straight-up selection, straight-up choice, Balogun or Nketiah, I think that Mikel Arteta, unless something dramatic changes over the course of the summer, will will lean towards Eddie Nketiah. I feel like Eddie Nketiah is his man. I don't know why. I think he went quite hard to make sure that he stayed. And he worked really hard behind the scenes to make sure that he was convinced of the fact that this was the place to stay. And I just I just think that Balogun's going to have to come in and blow Mikel Arteta away for Arteta to say, yep, you're my guy, rather than Eddie. And almost abandon Eddie or, or push Eddie to one side, given how hard he worked, as I say, to get him to commit his future to the football club, when, of course, his contract uh, did run down at the end of last season. So we'll see. We'll see. 
Okay, that's the, the following Balogun bit. Just a, a bit of breaking news as well that broke about an hour or so before uh, we jumped on to record this. Uh, the Premier League game uh, between Arsenal and Chelsea at Emirates Stadium that was originally scheduled for April the 29th has now been moved to Tuesday the 2nd of May. Now that, for me, is really poor. Really, really poor form from the authorities. Now, for those of you wondering why this has happened, it is to do with policing um, limitations. It is to do with the fact that King Charles's coronation uh, is due to take place around that time. And that's why um, this game has been moved. It's due to the, the policing issues uh, that come with that event. But my argument would always be, and my pushback would always be, it's not as though this coronation just snuck up on people. You know, we've all known uh, that it was coming for a really, really long time. Um, we all knew the date for ages. So why is the game being moved just a few weeks uh, before it's due to take place? If you do this six months ago, three months ago, you give people the opportunity to rearrange their plans. I've been sort of scrolling through Twitter and I've seen people who have got holidays booked, which now means they're going to miss the Chelsea game, which they didn't want to do. What do they do? Cancel their holiday and lose a shit ton of money? I know of people that are coming from overseas to watch this game who have booked flights in hotels and now need to try and change those dates in order to make it work. It just, you know, football fans are the heart and soul of this game. And once again, their, their needs have been put last. You know, it's always about everything else. Somebody replied to me on Twitter saying, well... Uh, sorry, but policing the country is more important than a football game. Yeah, but they don't do a particularly good job of policing the country, number one. And number two, they knew this event was coming. And it's my, my issue is not necessarily with the moving of the fixture. My issue is more so around the fact that it's been communicated so late in the day. That's what drives me mad. I mean, we heard rumours about this last week. So, you know... Even just communicating it three, four days earlier might have made the difference for some people. Wouldn't have made a difference for everybody, but in some of the cases, I'm sure it would have helped to have known this information three, four days ago. Now, if this stuff's getting leaked and people know about it, why aren't the clubs and the Premier League and everybody involved making sure that they communicate at the earliest. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Opportunity to ensure that as less people as possible are affected by the changes. So, yeah, anyway. Uh, that's that. 
Look, we're going to talk William Saliba. Uh, we're going to talk uh, Eddie Nketiah uh, as he returns to training. We're also going to touch on the Ryan Gravenberg interest that has been reported today. We're also going to take some of your thoughts and questions from the live chat. But before we do that, just a quick message uh, from our sponsors over at NordVPN. Now, this podcast is brought to you in partnership uh, with NordVPN, named one of Times 2022's best inventions. NordVPN is a virtual private network. Uh, it's the price of a cup of coffee per month and the benefits, I'm sure you'll agree, more than justify the cost. Uh, you'll be able to protect your data whilst traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. You'll be able to watch sporting events, TV shows and films that aren't available in your region. And you can purchase flights, subscriptions or more at cheaper prices by logging in from other locations. Grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com forward slash chronicles AFC to get a huge discount off of your NordVPN plan plus four additional months for free. It's completely risk-free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you're not happy with it, if you're not enjoying it, you can cancel. So to put into layman's terms what some of those benefits will allow you to do. So obviously protecting your data is self-explanatory. You all know what that means. We know that cybercrime nowadays is a really, really big thing. So to be able to have that extra layer of protection uh, by doing whatever business or transactions or logging into your online banking, etc., etc., uh, through a virtual private network is adding an extra layer of security. Uh, watching sporting events, TV shows and films that aren't available in your region. A good example for me is that I quite often like to watch Greek television. Um, I quite often like to watch some of the Greek football matches, which obviously aren't accessible from other parts in the world. So what do I do? I log on to NordVPN. I change my virtual location to Greece or to Cyprus, and I'm able to access content that is ordinarily geo-blocked. Equally, if you're abroad and you want to watch BBC iPlayer so you can watch Match of the Day, catch up with it on a Saturday night, then you can do that by setting your location to the UK. If you log into Netflix via an American um, location, you'll be able to access a totally different inventory of movies, uh, TV series, etc., etc. And for those of you that travel a lot, if you do purchase flights, you'll know that sometimes it can be uh, cheaper to book it from the destination coming back rather than the other way around. And you'll be able to do that by changing your destination uh, via NordVPN. So lots and lots of benefits. And as I say, it's the price of a cup of coffee per month. That is it. And I'm sure you'll find it worthwhile. Uh, NordVPN.com forward slash Chronicles AFC. The link is in the description. You'll get a huge discount uh, off of your plan and four additional months for free. Uh, so do check it out. And we thank them as always for their very, very kind sponsorship. Um, let's see what you guys are saying, actually, before we move on to the next couple of topics. We've talked Balogun. Uh, we've talked um, how I think this is going to play out. We've we've discussed what I think should happen, what the next steps should be. Uh, Kuhn in the chat says, I'd sell him for 40 to 50 million pounds. I mean, if you can get 40 to 50 million pounds, it's kind of a no-brainer, right? You've got a couple of strikers at the club already. Balogun has suggested that he would be um, keen to move somewhere where he's going to play regular football um, and where he's not going to be, what, third in line. You know, if that type of offer comes in, I think it would be uh, too good to turn down. I think that, uh, you know, I've said this before. I've said it about the championship when we were talking about Emi Buendia uh, all those years ago. I I've said it when we've talked about strikers coming over from France 
uh, in the past. Uh, you know, we talk a lot about Jonathan David on here, largely because Moss uh, brings him up in the chat pretty much every show. But look, there's no guarantee that a Liga and striker's goal return is going to translate into the Premier League. There have been players that have come from Liga and, did, and, and done fantastically well. But there have also been a lot that didn't quite make it, didn't quite cut the mustard because the level of the league is different. And so, yes, Balogun's got 18 league goals in France, and that's great. And it's something that he should be incredibly proud of, given where he was 12 months ago. But it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to come in and replicate that form in the Premier League. You know, some players can only replicate the rate to half. So he might score nine in the Premier League, for example. Sometimes it's even less than that in terms of how that form and how those returns translate when you go from one league to another. So if somebody came in with 40, 50 million pounds, then that would change things. But until that type of offer comes in, I would be inclined to say, let's have a look at the guy. Let's see how he does. And then we'll take it from there. Uh, Jid says, if he fits in well with the group, then Harry. Um, sorry, if he fits in well with the group, then what Harry? It doesn't matter how many games we have to play next season. Three strikers is unsustainable. Plus, Arsenal have Trossard, who can play centrally. Well, as I mentioned earlier, mate, well, then there's a decision to make. Gabriel Jesus, for me, is in a, a bracket above both following Balogun at the present and Eddie Nketiah. And so you've got to then come to some sort of decision if you think that three strikers is unsustainable between Nketiah and Balogun. And Mikel Arteta can't possibly make that decision until he gets Balogun back at base and has a look at him and and sort of understands a little bit more about how his development has gone. Now, make no mistake about it, Arsenal will be all over following Balogun's development at the moment. They'd have been keeping a close eye. They'd have loan officers, people responsible for his personal development. But until you get him back on the training ground and you put him into the mix, it's going to be very, very difficult, I think, uh, to tell. Uh, Sko says, Harry, I think Eddie can play from the left more next season. He played plenty from there prior to this season uh, in the uh, appearances and sub-appearances that he did get. Yeah, we have seen a bit of that uh, when it comes to Enketia. He's a pretty strong runner, and I think Mikel Arteta uh, believes that he can play that role. I think he sees him as being a lot more versatile than maybe you or I. Uh, my issue with that is I think on the left, we're really well stocked. You know, you look at that wide position, you know, you've got Martinelli, you've got Trossard, you've got uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, who, if you go back to last season was picked there when he was picked. It was largely from that left-hand side. So Mikel Arteta clearly feels he's one for that position as well. I think there's a lot of competition there. And I don't necessarily see Eddie as being at the top of that list. Um, I kind of agree that having three strikers might be unsustainable um, because of the versatility of some of our wide players. But yeah, um, we'll have to see. I, I personally don't like Eddie from the left. Um, that's just my view. I don't think he's as effective. I think he is someone who comes alive inside the six-yard box. And I think if you take him out of the penalty area, that's where he falls a little bit short. That's where he's weaker than Gabi Jesus for me, in that he doesn't give you as much outside of the box. So if you're asking him to start from outside of the box all of the time, I don't think that's the way to go. But that's just my view. Um, okay, guys, uh, please, if you haven't done so already, leave a like on the video. Let's try and get up to 100 likes ASAP. That would really, really help. And uh, please do subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. For listening on audio, you know what to do. Leave us a review. 
Uh, just going on to the Chelsea game, which we touched on, uh, that game, as I mentioned, moved from April 29th to the 2nd of May due to policing issues. Charlie in the chat asks if I think that's better for the team. Um, I, I don't really think it makes that much difference, if I'm being honest with you. Let me just bring up the Arsenal fixtures because we'll have a look at sort of how things look in terms of the layout um, around that period of time. So I'm just bringing it up now so I can make sure uh, that I'm giving you a clear picture. So obviously, we take on Manchester City on the Wednesday before at the Etihad. Now, the fact that the Chelsea game has been moved from that weekend to midweek uh, to the Tuesday means that we have more of a rest between City and Chelsea, but it means we have less rest between Chelsea and Newcastle. So I think it kind of works both ways. Although with City being a massive, massive game, you do feel like that's going to take a lot out of us, not just physically, but emotionally as well. So if there was one game that you could open the gap up um, from in order to give you time to recover, I think that's probably the one. So maybe it does work slightly in our favour uh, from a footballing perspective, but it certainly doesn't work in the favour of those who have made plans um, and uh, and could now miss the game. So I do have a lot of sympathy uh, for those people. Uh Paul James says, sell Balogun for a minimum 35 million euros with both a sell-on and buyback clause. Protects us as a club. Wouldn't that be good business? If you can negotiate that, then great. Um, the, the trouble is that you can't always uh, negotiate those things. It's not always as, as easy as said. So, yeah, um, that, that would be a good option, though, if, if Arsenal had some sort of sell-on clause, just in case he does blow up and go on to another level. Uh, and the buyback clause, obviously, uh, would put Arsenal in a position whereby they could bring him back to the club for set fee, whatever that is, um, in the event that they they change their mind on him. But look, I think get him back. Let's have a look at him and we'll take it from there. Uh, moving on to William Saliba. Now, the Frenchman uh, we hoped uh, might have been available for the trip to Anfield. Mikel Arteta dropping hints left, right and centre at the back end of last week. But it wasn't to be. Uh, the former Marseille Loney uh, was not available for Arsenal at the weekend. And our understanding is that he is not back in training just yet. Uh, Sky Sports uh, reported earlier today that he is close, uh, but is not training right now. Arsenal are being very cautious uh, due to the nature of the injury. They're worried about a flare-up. They're worried about inflammation and they're worried about doing more damage then it's worth. They also feel, according to this particular Sky Sports reporter, that Rob Holding's doing a decent enough job. Uh, it's unlikely, but not impossible, that Saliba returns for West Ham United. So where am I on Saliba? So, look, we don't know the ins and outs, OK? We don't know or understand the severity of this injury. We don't understand how close he is. We, we hear terms like close, OK, but how close? We don't know. That's the truth. What I would say here is that we can't afford to do Saliba serious damage. You know, not only is he a massive player for us between now and the end of the season, but he's a massive player in terms of Arsenal's future moving forward. So you certainly don't want to do damage. You certainly don't want to inflict any pain. And you certainly don't want to be the cause of a longer term issue. But at the same time, we're in a position to go on and win the Premier League. And, and I feel like we desperately need this guy. Um, I think with Rob Holding in the side and 
listen, he, he gave away a penalty at the weekend and I didn't even have a massive issue with that, to be honest with you, in terms of Rob Holding's involvement. It wasn't one of those where I go, you bloody idiot, you've cost us. Rob Holding had to move towards the ball and there was a tangle of legs. Jota, very, very clever in anticipating Rob Holding coming, leaving his legs there, taking the contact, going down right in front of the referee and in front of the cop end, you knew what the decision was going to be straight away. So I'm not, I didn't come away from that game thinking, Rob Holding, you bloody idiot, you know. And that was obviously helped by the fact that Mo Salah put the penalty wide. But the point I'm making here is that, yes, Rob Holding has been okay in some games. He was okay against Palace. He was okay against Leeds. And he was okay-ish against Liverpool. But we clearly struggle without Saliba in the team. It clearly impacts us in the build-up. It clearly impacts how high a line we're able to play. And, and there is a knock-on effect. That is, for me, undeniable. So we stand a much better chance of going on and winning the Premier League with William Saliba in the heart of the defence. But that balance needs to be found. If he doesn't play against West Ham and he doesn't play against Southampton, would that be the end of the world? It could be, but you'd hope it's not. You'd hope that Arsenal would still have enough to get through those games and take maximum points. And if they do, then great. But you look at that game against Manchester City and you just fear for what might happen if we have to go there with Rob Holding at centre-back. So if I were Arsenal now, I'd be focused on getting Saliba back ready for that game. If he returns earlier or he can get half an hour under his belt in either of those two games, that would be a bonus. But the eyes and the focus have to be on that Manchester City game because with Rob Holding in the heart of that defence, I can tell you, we don't stand half the chance that we would with our first choice 11. So, you know, it is what it is. Um, fingers crossed we can get him back ASAP. But obviously, the fact that the word close is being used when discussing his fitness is, is a positive and, and we've got to take that. Uh, okay. Um, mentioned Eddie Nketiah back in training, uh, back on the training pitch. He's been out for a little while uh, with a foot slash ankle injury, but he is uh, back on the training pitch. So I'm sure it won't be long before he is back involved in the squad. And the other bit of news that I wanted to touch on today was with regards to the Bayern Munich midfielder, Ryan Gravenberg, the Dutchman uh, who joined the German giants from Dutch football, from Ajax to be specific, uh, was seen as one of Europe's most promising midfield players. The problem is he hasn't had the opportunities at Bayern that I think he was hoping for. Uh, Florian Plettenberg, a journalist who is very connected to Bayern Munich and often uh, comes out with really uh, interesting stories and, and solid reports, to be fair to him, uh, has claimed that Arsenal are monitoring Ryan Gravenberg's situation, uh, although no negotiations have yet taken place. He also goes on to say that Thomas Tuchel will be key in this decision because, of course, Thomas Tuchel's recently come in. He's taken over. Maybe the situation at Bayern for Ryan Gravenberg will change. Now, Gravenberg himself has been speaking on this and, and that's kind of um, fueled the fire around this report, I would say, or, or vice versa. Anyway, the two have certainly um, amplified one another. Uh, and when I say that, I'm talking about the report, but also what Ryan Gravenberg has been saying of late. And he said recently that I'd rather succeed at Bayern, but if that doesn't work out and I don't get opportunities, maybe I should look elsewhere. Uh, he did go on to say that he didn't regret joining Bayern. And why would he? Why would anybody regret joining that club? But this kind of reminds me a little bit of the Martin Odegaard situation. Not quite as extreme because Ryan Gravenberg wasn't a 16-year-old. 
that a massive club took a punt on someone that nobody had heard of and all of a sudden Real Madrid came along and swooped him up. This is a different situation. This is a player that lots of people were looking at and thinking this guy could go on and be the next big thing. And he's gone to Bayern and it hasn't really happened. But much like with Odegaard, sometimes it isn't about your talent. It, it, and it doesn't mean that you're not talented or not good enough if you don't hit it off at certain clubs. There are so many factors that you have to consider and think about that can impact your levels of performance. Ryan Gravenberg this season has started just 4% of Bayern Munich's league games. 4%. Now that might change, as I say, under Thomas Tuchel. But right now he is not getting a look in. And this could be another opportunity for Arsenal, if they're smart and they think he's the right guy, to go out, get him in a cut price deal because Bayern aren't using him, therefore they can't demand top, top dollar, and bring him back to Arsenal and just mould him and shape him into another one of Mikel Arteta's machines. Because Mikel Arteta has been good at that. He's been good at picking out players that maybe, um, you know, had the talent but hadn't necessarily shown it all yet, and then extracting more and more and more and more out of them. And that puts us in a wonderful position as a club, because not only do we have talented players and talented individuals, but we also have players who we bought at certain prices that we can now move on for more. I mean, whoever thought that when Aaron Ramsdale was signed for £30 million or whatever it was, that he'd go on to be worth more than that. And I'd argue today that he is worth more than that. So Mikel Arteta seems to be and Arsenal seem to be identifying players in this very sort of niche space whereby they've got the talent. You know they've got the talent because you've seen it before. You looked at the fact that a big club have gone after them earlier on in their career, which again backs up the point that there is something there, there is talent there. And you've also identified that the reasons that they haven't maybe kicked on as you'd have thought back when you first come across them are largely to do with other things a manager not fancying you, maybe you don't fit into a particular system, maybe you don't feel like you're at home there, maybe you don't feel like you've had an arm put around you. And and if you can identify what the issue is with these players and you feel like you can fix that problem, then very often you can get them in a decent price deal and you can bring them in and you can take them onto that next level. And there's a lot of value in doing that with regards to what that player is worth, but also what they bring to the team on a footballing level as well. So, yeah, um, Interesting link this. I, I really liked the look of Gravenberg when he was at Ajax. I'd be lying if I said I'd watched a lot of him at Bayern. I mean, how can you watch a lot of him if he started just 4% of their league games? But the point here is that my initial opinion and initial uh, view on Ryan Gravenberg when he first burst onto the scene was fantastic player. I wonder which club he's going to go to. He ended up going to Bayern. Hasn't really worked, but that doesn't mean you should write him off. So I'm going to be keeping a close eye on this one because I like the idea of this. I really, really do. Um, and as I say, if you can get him for 30, 35 million, which I think you probably could, then I think that is um, that that would represent really, really good value. So, um, yeah, we'll see. OK, um, give me one or two questions uh, before I say goodbye, because um, I am a little bit pushed for time. Uh, going to jump over on Dan Potts's channel. Uh, in a few minutes time which should be cool um we're going to talk uh, about this current arsenal team uh, so come over there and join us as well uh, in a little bit um do leave a like do subscribe all of that stuff uh, it really really does help let's take this question from don one um he says question harry what is wrong with our fan base we drop points and every time uh they throw their toys out of the pram without failure are these real arsenal fans 
or rivals in disguise. Mate, sometimes I wonder that myself. Sometimes I think that too. Sometimes I, I look at the reaction to games and I look at the reaction to a defeat or a draw in this case and I think, like, you're enjoying this. Like, there's a part of you that, that wants this so that you can vent and you can rant and you can say, I told you so when it refers to things that um, you got wrong in the past. I just, I, I don't get it. I, I think Arsenal stand a, a great chance of achieving over 90 points this season. The fact that that doesn't guarantee we win the league shows you what we're up against in Manchester City. And um, and yeah, look, whatever happens, Arsenal have exceeded expectations and there is loads to be excited about and loads to be positive about. And I've said it to you guys before. The most exciting thing about this project is that probably hasn't even banged yet. And, and that is, for me, uh, what keeps me going and what keeps me buzzing and what keeps me engaged. So, you know, all power to them and, and fingers crossed they can go on and finish the job this season. If they don't, we dust ourselves off and we go again because the future is bright at Arsenal Football Club. It really really is thank you all so so much for tuning in as always uh, great to see uh, so many of you with us live like subscribe uh, check out the NordVPN deal you know the drill by now uh, we'll be back with another episode tomorrow it's going to be a mailbag episode so make sure you get your questions in uh, that can be uh, via Twitter that can be uh, via the chronicles of where you can contact us via the uh, link at the bottom of the page that's a cool new feature uh, or you can, of course, uh, comment on the YouTube post on the community tab that I'm going to put out a little bit later on this evening. Uh, I'll get through as many of your questions as I possibly can on that edition. I can't wait. I love a mailbag episode. Uh, we're going to be doing them every week now. So, um, yeah, get those questions in. Keep me on my toes. Keep me thinking. And I'll see you guys all soon. Thank you, as always. Until next time, goodbye.